Welcome to a special EduTech Guys presentation recorded live at FETC 2022 in Orlando, Florida. Enjoy the conversation. Hey, welcome back to FETC 2022. We're really excited to be here. Uh, it's been a very exciting day, day three, lots yeah. going on. And uh, we're very excited to have our next guest uh, in front of us in a seat, ready to do talking. So I'm going to let her introduce herself, tell us who she is, where she's from, and all that kind of good stuff. So okay. here we go. Great. Well, thank you for having me here. I appreciate it. My name is Lindy Hawkenberry. I live in Bozeman, Montana. So I've been telling cool. everyone I brought the cold weather down with me, but it actually has warmed up out there and it's quite hot and humid again so oh. i can quit i can quit saying that it was caused by <laughs> me uh i've spent my career in education i was a classroom teacher i taught middle school high school i worked as a tech integration specialist i've been a pd manager i've been curriculum developer so had lots of different roles and lots of different things and i currently am full-time freelance instructional technologist so i go in do teacher trainings, work with schools. Uh, I have a lot of different kind of niches and Google certified and Microsoft certified and Minecraft certified. I kind of specialize in virtual learning. So that's been a huge bit of my time the last couple of years is yeah. helping schools and teachers kind of navigate that. So, yeah. yeah. Well, so, so let's talk about that, let, especially over obviously the last, you know, 18 months to two years. The the as schools you know pivoted to virtual learning in, in in whatever facets that looked like, how did that look like from your perspective, uh, especially if there were schools who that was sort of an ancillary afterthought you know virtual learning and now all of a sudden it's a have to mm. yeah you know it was really it was really interesting my email was flooded with requests and cries for help and pleas for help from teachers from schools just trying to figure out like what do we do help us we need help it's any help we can get so i started writing 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 and sharing resources out um, i really after i had a chance to just settle a little bit and look at it i realized you know there's all these foundational elements that really need to be in place with virtual learning and so many of those things weren't because schools had never had to do it before. And it's no wonder that it just didn't go well in a lot of cases. But what I'm trying to get schools, teachers to remember is that, yes, virtual did not work for a lot of kids. There's definitely groups of kids it did not work for, but it did work well for some kids. There's a lot of kids that really thrive in virtual learning. I've been talking to so many parents that say, like, their kid loves virtual learning they're going to stick to it they had a choice and they want to stick through it and they're doing really well and they're thriving and I was talking to one parent that was telling me he's in a virtual school with kids from like all over the world and so now he's thinking virtual or you know globally instead of just thinking mm. locally uh, and really getting that perspective I've talked to parents and kids that you know school was not a good place for them they were bullied and going virtual it has been so great for their emotional well-being that they want to stick with it. So that's what I want schools to remember is that, yes, it's not good for everybody, but face-to-face -face isn't good for everybody. And we've been doing that since the beginning of time, right? And we've never catered really in public education to any other sub subset of learners. Mm -hmm. So now we need to think the other one be like, you know, th this is still, this still works, right? For this group of learners. And, and the other thing too is parents, and students got a taste of different types of learning environments, and they're gonna start 
demanding of schools that they provide that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if a school doesn't live up there, a lot of parents, not all have the ability to do this and then we can go into a huge equity discussion. Right. But let's not go there. But, you know, a lot of parents are going to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. They're going to go out of district. They're going to go to a private school. They're going to go to a charter school. So, yeah, that was a lot. I talk a lot. That's okay. <laughs> That's good though. That's good we though. We do too. I got <laughs> lots of thoughts. <laughs> well, and and I and I I truly think one of the biggest travesties that tra- travesties there you go. Uh, that <laughs> I'll get it up uh, that uh, th- that we have seen uh, especially in in our area of the world um, is that there was such a push from districts. And and really, even even state level departments of education, uh, down to district level administration, to get schools to go back in person, but not just in person. Unfortunately, to also the quote unquote normal way of doing school, without taking into consideration the exact things that you're saying. You know, how many students are you know the the big no child left behind. And, and I get that from the, the, the one perspective, right, of, of kind of why it was put in place in the first place. But you know, we now have the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. You're now leaving children behind who thrived not being in your four walls. Yeah, it, it, it's true. Uh, and, yeah, it, just, it, it makes me think so much. I've been hearing so many stories from parents and kids mm-hmm. telling me that, Their teacher, so like I had a parent tell me the other day that last year their kid's teacher posted everything in Google Classroom and how amazing it was and she could get on there anytime, no matter if they were in school, out of school, she was sick, quarantined, whatever it was, see what was going on. And her teacher this year, nothing. Right. So she, they had to be quarantined for two weeks. Back to normal. So she goes to the teacher. She's like, what do we do? Oh, I don't post anything digitally. Uh, You have to come get the PDF copies. And she's like... Okay, for one, we're quarantined. So how do we go get physical PDF (laughs) papers, right? Like there's problem number one. And she knows she's experienced that as a parent and she knows the opposite now. She knows how great it can be. And so she was incredibly frustrated Mm -hmm. as a parent. Like what... What do I do? Like, I can't. And, and she said it's it's 20 times harder to keep both of my kids work because the teacher doesn't post all of those due dates, assignments, everything in some sort of like online. I call it a digital course home base. Right. right. Yeah. Whether it's Google Classroom, Canvas, Seesaw, whatever it is. And I'm hearing so many of those stories and it, it makes me just want to help. I'm like, I can help you teachers like you need to do this. I cannot imagine teaching right now and not having that basic thing of like a digital course home base. No wonder so many teachers are tired and burnt out and just feeling like they're done. I'm like, I I cannot imagine having kids just in quarantine, out of quarantine, in and out of class, sick. Like half your class is gone right now, you know, is what's going on and not having things posted digitally where the classroom can just keep going. I had somebody call it the flexible learning environment the other day. I'm like, well, that's a good way to describe it. (laughs) Think what's going on right now. It's like, but really, I mean, that is literally like back to basics. Number one thing, if you're not doing anything else with technology in your classroom, you have to do that. You have to have that digital home base, right? That's that one-stop shop 
where all the communication for your course is posted, the due dates, and it doesn't matter if a kid's gone, in class, out of class, sick, whatever. They go there, they've got it, and it's also helping their their care- caregivers, you know? Yes, and, and to me, that's one of the crazy things is, you know, a, a lot of teachers will complain, well, now I have to do it for in-person and online. No, well, no, 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 you don't. No. You can just put it online. Yes. They can access it while they're in the class with yes, you. that's the whole point. Uh, yeah, and, you know, exactly, and, and it's so frustrating <laughs> that that so many educators totally miss that coming back into face-to-face in-person you know physical face-to-face learning yeah uh, it's well, crazy the me. sad part to me is is that um we, we made this quick shift and uh honestly as public education goes education in the united states goes we did a good job it, it was oh, quick yeah we, we immediately went, oh, there's a problem. That's what we do in America. Yep. We love a problem. We love a, we love, oh, jump up. Let's do this. Let's, yep. let's raise this barn. Let's, you know, plow this field. Let's get this done. Um, we did it. And for years, we've been doing this a long time and data this and data that and data this. And we get all this data. And then we don't even use don't. it. It just, yeah. Oh, we, it, so we, we've been complaining for years. We have to alter, alternative schools for this and we need virtual learning for this because these kids, we can't reach them. And then you reach them. And, you know, and you realize that some of these kids that, that didn't need virtual learning were going to make great grades either, either way it went. And, but we didn't take that data. We just came right back out of it and went, listen, we've got all this data here. Why didn't we just use it? I mean, we're literally logging. Let's just take Google. Let's just go into the Google statistics board under Google admin, have your tech coordinator pull it up and tell you how many times kids used your Google classroom. Well, <laughs> would you like to know that every week it was like, you know, hundreds of hours a month. They were using it more. They opened this yeah. document 12,000 times. Yep. If that's not enough to make the administration and your teachers go, oh, gosh, maybe we should get back to that as quick as possible. I mean, it's just a big number. It, yeah. it works on my school board. So, you know, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a super good point. And that teacher that's now printing off PDFs, what data do you have of that? Absolutely right. nothing other than the number on the copy machine ticking right. up. But you're right. Like Google Workspace, you go in, you've got all that data you can see. And actually, there's tools out there that exist that help you take that data and figure out equity gaps, right? Like yeah. what uh, population of your kids isn't getting that? Like, is there a chunk of kids that aren't getting any digital collaboration experience, you know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you're right. It, that, that just that would just be one of many, many arguments yeah. for schools choosing a digital course home-based tool and i'm a big fan of it being consistent as much as you possibly can i just did a talk on this earlier today so if anybody's listening they're like oh here she goes again she's on her roll (laughs) i'm like but it's so true and i told them i'm like if you look at your school and you've got more than two course home-based tools k-12 and i understand a lot of schools have to have two because there's really not a great resource out there that works k-12 right like i have a lot of schools that use seesaw k-2-3 and then they might use google classroom or canvas like for three four up to grade 12 Mm -hmm. you know sure that's fine but if you've got more than that going on then that means that your parent if you've got a parent or caregiver whoever they are that has a kid in eat maybe has a kid in kindergarten, fourth grade, seventh grade, and eleventh grade, and you, each school is using a different tool. Like, what are you asking them to manage? And I actually tell schools to do this exercise. Like, I have a template for it. Go through and write down for each grade level 
what the parents are having to manage and do it for the parents and the kids really right right? yeah like in terms of but the parents is the one that's really really eye-opening because the kids only in one class especially if they're in elementary well that's not true though you got high school kids and I have seven classes a day and if each teacher and I actually I I worked with the school in August of 2020 because the virtual thing had not gone well at all and I had them do this exercise and I'm not kidding you we counted like 20 some different tools that were being used across k-12 it was a k-12 district and so like you know the elementary school they the k2 was using seesaw uh three five was using teams no google classroom six eight was using microsoft teams the high school was using whatever they wanted so like one teacher might have might have had a google doc where they were just posting everything in a google doc another one had a google site another one was using google classroom another one was using teams like it was crazy and <laughs> so i'm like okay number one we gotta we gotta streamline right you gotta have that consistency you can't no wonder your parents are feeling like they have no idea what's what's due and what their kid needs to do right you gotta streamline you gotta create that consistency and don't have more than two across (laughs) k-12 let's let's pare this down yeah so go ahead go ahead go ahead well, so I'm I'm gonna change gears. Okay. So are you no, go good ahead. with that? Okay, I'm gonna change gears. Always do, but you can change gears first. All right, and uh, let let's talk about your book. Yep, that's what yes. I was gonna say. Yeah. Okay, well then we're on the same page. Uh-huh. Fun intended. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so tell us about your book. Yeah, so uh, that was I started writing when pandemic hit and everybody was going virtual. I got all these pleas for help, and pretty soon I had a lot of writing. I had no intention to write a book, literally, like no intention whatsoever. But I just kept writing. I was just trying to help. I ended up with a full kind of guide to online learning. So it's literally called a teacher's guide to online learning. And part two is really focused on those foundational elements that I was talking mm-hmm. about. Like mm-hmm. you've got to have that consistency. You've got to have that digital course home base. You have to have a plan for supporting your caregivers because they now become co-teachers, mm-hmm. right? And they take a much more active role in their students' learning, mm-hmm. you know? And we wish they would take more active role in face-to-face, but now it's critical, right? That they take a more active role with virtual learning. So um, those are just a few of kind of the foundational elements I talk about. Making sure your students, you're building self-directed learners because when the teacher isn't physically present, like your students have to have some sort of self-direction. I talk a lot about that. Um, My big thing is making sure that, and I kind of have these key takeaways in the book of like these tenants to guide virtual learning. And one of the big ones is that virtual learning is less forgiving than face-to-face. And whenever I share this, I've shared this with so many teachers, principals, superintendents over the last couple years, I just have them sit with that and just think about it. You can get away with so much more in a face-to-face environment when you're teaching. You can't get away with, you have to be so much more strategic in virtual learning. And so having those foundational elements in place are super vital to setting, I call it like the foundation. Like we imagine we have this online learning pyramid. If you don't have the, literally that base of the pyramid, the pyramid's going to crumble. Yeah, right? absolutely. You know, so that's like all the second part of the book. And then part three is all strategies. So how do you teach synchronously virtually? How do you teach asynchronously virtually? Um, and then part four is kind of best practices about, I had like teachers from all across the country share their experiences with virtual learning. So there's anywhere from grade two, well actually grade, all the way down to kindergarten up to higher ed 
just you know sharing like I did this this worked well this didn't work our school yeah. does this anywhere from classroom teachers I've got some tech integration specialists in there there's a few different chapter off guest chapter authors I had a really good colleague that was teaching first grade virtually I taught middle school and high school I have had some amazing mentors over the year that have educated me and everything primary but I have never taught primary kids at all let alone virtually so right. I'm like I have to find somebody else to write that chapter that was one of the biggest questions I got is how do we teach those little guys virtually right. so Tracy Piltz she lives in Billings Montana uh, she was teaching first grade virtually so she wrote that chapter about like teaching the littles virtually and then I had some guest teachers talk about teaching um, kids with special needs mm. so there's a lot of other perspectives that come it's not just my perspective a lot of other perspectives come into the book and last thing I'll say uh, I know again talk talking 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 <laughs> um, but I just wanted to point out one more thing it is called the teacher's guide to online learning but so much of it is just good teaching and good tech integration practice mm -hmm. like I thought I was talking about that idea of having the course home base I have a whole chapter on that having that consistency in that tool you teach but or that tool you choose excuse me for the course home base at, from a school perspective but also the consistency factor of how you organize that mm. like having naming conventions and using emojis for visual cues and just you know little things like that like using similar fonts and color schemes and things so that you're, you're guiding your students visually kind of through your digital learning materials that's going to help you no matter if you're teaching virtually in person hybrid blended whatever crazy model your school has going this week yes, <laughs> might yeah. change next week that's we don't right. know that's right. yeah. <laughs> but even but even so to your point uh, even if it does change you know whatever the school's doing there are some of those consistencies that can remain the same so that students can continue to follow along even if there are certain key aspects that get changed yes yeah. exactly and that's exactly the idea and that's why i just knowing that and all of that that i had to share and then seeing teachers right now in the midst of complete covid chaos not having that i'm like if we had that i know it'd still be hard don't get me wrong i'm not downplaying that but it would make your life like this much easier right i'm holding up about an inch for about those an of you that yeah, can't I was, see I was yeah. say, I was... <laughs> giving you a visual that's right. That's right. Yeah. not a centimeter an inch there you go. an inch that's better right. That's right. so i hate to be the time cop here uh but uh so if uh, there's uh listeners out there that want to uh be your best friend uh steal your stuff uh, <laughs> find out more about you. Uh, what's the best way they can do that? So I would say if you go to my website, that's got all of my socials. I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, all Facebook, all the good stuff. Um, there's a link to my book on there. So it's intechgradedpd.org. So I-N-T-E-C-H-G-R-A-T-E-D. P as in professional, D as in development.org. If you go there, um, that has all my information. You can also get straight to my book page. I've got a short link to that. Bit.ly slash teacher's guide to online will take you to the Amazon. And I've got the ebook at $2.99 for special FETC price. That's literally the lowest Amazon will let me put it. Right, <laughs> yes. Because it's got so many graphics and things in it. I didn't sure. know that that was a thing that Amazon could like limit you. But yes, it's a thing. Just yeah, so you guys know, like out there, if you ever think about writing a book, Amazon's like, nope, can't put it any lower. So anyway, I've got the ebook at $2.99. Uh, I'll keep it there until the end of FETC tomorrow. Cool. So, 
And uh, social media, um, at Lindy Hockenberry. Yes, at yeah. Lindy Hockenberry. That's L-I-N-D-Y. And Hockenberry is ridiculously hard to spell. Thank, thanks to my husband's family for that one. It's H-O-C-K-E-N-B-A-R-Y. Cool. So everybody tries to spell it the B-E-R-R-Y. Yeah, that would just make too much sense. It's B-A-R-Y. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having Have me. Have a great rest Good of the FETC. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Great. You've been listening to a special EduTech Guys presentation recorded live at FETC 2022 in Orlando, Florida. Thanks for listening.